Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 17 of the Fathoming Heavy podcast. I'm Andrew, your host, and my guest today is Pranjal Tuari, vocalist and drummer for the Bay Area experimental doom band Cardinal Worm. Uh, this is a long conversation, but I, I think it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, I hit record as we were talking about the fire that burned down Pranjal's house in January, something he's understandably still reeling from, and then we move into how he got into metal as a kid growing up in Hong Kong, moving to the States and eventually to the Bay Area, and how he's been shaped by music and art and literature and myth, and sort of the idea of mythos building. Uh, A couple of things before we start. Uh, Just know that the gain was a bit high, so there's a bit of distortion, which was totally my fault. And about halfway through, right after the Sepultura segment, we took a break. And usually when we take a break midway through, I can edit the pieces together fairly seamlessly, But this time we came back talking about Clive Barker and there was no way to piece those two halves together. So, just so you know, after the Sepultura song, the guy we're talking about is Clive Barker, which then moves us into a very different uh, direction. We also get into a really interesting story at the very end, so hang in for sure for that. As always, you can contact me at fathomingheavy at gmail.com or find me on Facebook or at fathomingheavy on Twitter. Uh, you can listen on SoundCloud or iTunes, and if you like what I'm doing, just please take a sec and give a rating or a quick review, especially on iTunes. That sort of thing helps a lot, and I always appreciate the comments and the feedback. All right, let's do it. like you first of all are grateful that everyone was okay yeah. you know and that everyone got it wasn't even hurt or anything like that and then like I think it just like kind of like you, then you're dealing with so much practical shit that you have to like just focus on that and like you know and then like once you it was like it, it took me until once we settled in a little bit like to and it just kind of like hit me like a wall like holy shit <laughs> like, and then you know you start thinking about like what ifs and stuff like that you know it's like like what if we didn't get it it was very close to like not getting out a lot yeah. you know and, uh, and shit like that um and then you know ever, even now it's like you realize like oh i don't have like a nail clipper <laughs> or like i don't have like you know s- small things that you just take for granted that yeah. you have but yeah all that all that little stuff clothes yeah i mean all our clothes any was, of that stuff mm-hmm. and then stuff you've collected over your life and are attached to to a certain extent yep. i mean Personal things, you know, I mean, irreplaceable things. Pictures, letters. Yeah, the pictures and letters are the things that really, like, because, you know, old family photographs, yeah. you know, and, like, yeah. you know, who knows where the negatives for those things are. Yeah. And, like, um, those kind of things were, uh, I mean, it was like we didn't lose, we didn't lose a lot. Of, we didn't have, like, a lot of stuff, you know. Like, we didn't have, like, a lot of expensive things or whatever. We had, like, mostly, like, my, like our records and our books and our clothes. Right. But, like, you know, just saying, those two are pretty sizable things. And know? that's important and irreplaceable. I mean, your records. Yeah. I couldn't replace my collection. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just impossible. Yeah, I'm not even, I'm like, I've, I've bought some records since then, but I'm not even trying to, like, replace yeah. stuff because it's just, it's just not going to happen, you know. I'm just kind of, like, starting again, um, getting stuff I want to listen to at the moment, you know. 
new stuff that comes out that I want to check out. Um, I haven't really gone back and like, oh shit, like, you know, I had this first pressing Iron Maiden, like, um, uh, record and like, or like, you know, old, like old Swedish punk records that were like, you know, total, I'm not much of a collector, but it was, I was more like proud of having them that, you know, they were like, oh, it's was like first pressing of this Ebergrown seven inch, like, yeah, right. you know, and I was like super proud of it and I would like, you know, show people and stuff. And, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's like, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm just like not going to spend that much money on record on like, I'm not going to spend like a thousand dollars to get no, a seven no. inch back in. You know? you it's like, yeah. yeah. When did this happen? So this happened, um, first week of January. Okay. So January 6th. And we were, like, we had gone to bed the, the night before, like, you know, and uh, we, we were in bed. It was, like, 7, seven or so in the morning. And um, I went out to get the, to, to put coffee on. And I turned on the hot water, like, when I, you know, to fill up the coffee pot. Um, and I heard that we had a boiler, like, an old boiler thing, like, gas-powered um, thing. And uh, I heard the, the pilot light you know, usually you hear this little whoosh when it, like, turns on and it, like, you know, starts heating the water up. The whoosh sounded a lot bigger than it usually did. It was just this, and I was like, whoa, that's weird. And, um, and I looked, I couldn't see anything, so I didn't really think much about it. I went back to the bedroom and shut the door, and then, like, a few minutes into it, just heard this, this explosion, and the whole house shook. And I was like, what? We were just like, what the fuck was that? Opened the bedroom door, and there's smoke, like, I mean, I couldn't even see, like, my hand in front of my face. It had already filled up with smoke. And I ran into the back to, to see what the hell was going on, and there was, like, you know, flames kind of, like, big flames, like, in my face. And I was like, ah, shit. And luckily, we were, our bedroom was real close, was, was next to the front door. So um, Joelle, my girlfriend, just grabbed, grabbed our dog and, and, and ran out. I had to put clothes on. I was <laughs> full disclosure. I was completely naked all by the time all of this was happening. So that was like that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, so I had to like I, I grabbed a, a hoodie and like you know it was a, I mean my shit was just everywhere on the floor and we just had piles of clothes. So I was like ah like what do I just grab this hoodie and I grabbed a pair of pajama pants. Um, I didn't even have time to get like you know anything on my feet and I grabbed my phone thankfully so we called nine one one. Uh, ran outside, you know, did all the, called 911, did all that shit. Um, while we were waiting, we were just watching the house just kind of erupt, you know, and it's like pops as like the windows started smash, mm. like shattering. Um, and you see the, the entire back of the house like starts, starts, you know, going up in flames. And the, um, the tree, there's this huge, there was a huge tree right behind our house. Um, and the, the, the tree just, the flames hit the tree and the tree just like erupted. Like there was this huge, like, I don't know, like 20 foot tall tree or something just up in flames. Like, you know, like the, like the white tree of Gondor or something like that, you know, <laughs> like, um, and then, uh, you know, the firefighters didn't take that long to get there, but it felt like an eternity because we were just yeah, like, right. shit was just going so fast right. with the fire because it was a, it was a gas fire. So it just moved real quick, real right. fast. Um, and it was like around this time I realized that my the pants that I had <laughs> I had grabbed the, the pair of pajama pants from a pile of clothes that we were supposed to throw away. And I realized this because I started feeling like, oh, I was like, oh, this is 
nice and uh, like you know it's like airy feeling pants. Like very, I really love it. And I realized that the entire the entire back of the pants from the from my hip down to like the seat of like right to the seat of my pants, like my ass was just hanging out. Like to the, there was just a giant slit like right there, and it was like windy, so there was like wind coming out, and I was just like fuck, like you know. So I was like aside from like I had to like talk to firefighters. You know, people who were coming by, neighbors and stuff yeah, like right. that. Uh, all these, like, onlookers, like, gas company people, police, like, all this stuff. I had, to, I had to, like, kind of handle this whole situation and the insurance people while, like, all the time trying to, like, you know, keep my ass from, like, <laughs> hanging out of these pants, you know. <laughs> like, it was, like, at a certain point, I was just, like, fuck it. Like, yeah. you know, I was, like, I was, like, you know... If ever I had an excuse to just be out on the street with my ass hanging out, it's today, and I'm just going to take that excuse. And no one's <laughs> going to fault you for that on that day. Yeah, and if they did, then fuck them. Yeah, right. they had more important <laughs> things to worry about, you know. Yeah. Um, how are you doing after all this time? Um, I mean, it's like, it's ups and downs, yeah. you know. It's, it's real, it's a real, like... I'm, I'm, I'm realizing as time goes by how, how big the actual situation was, like, you know, or how significant it was as far as our lives go. It's a lot of shit. We had, like, all our stuff gone. Um, our home, it was more like, you know, it's like our home, too, you know. Yeah. Um, I had lived in the house for 10 years. Um, Joelle had lived there for, for three years or four years. Um, and it was just more like, you know, that... I, we're, we're, we're both kind of... Um, I don't want to speak to her, but I'm, like, very much, like little bit of a hermit, you know, like, so, I mean, I go out every now and then, but, uh, I do, um, I do like, like, the comfort of just being at home, or, like, the security of just being at home, um, for, for various reasons, and I, like, that, that, that space is, like, super important to me, you know, and we kind of had that place where it felt, like, um, uh, safe, you know, um, and uh, like to suddenly not have that, you know, and just like to have it be gone was like it's like it's like I'm still kind of dealing with that. Um, it's uh, I had like you know issues with 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 uh, various things, you know, like mental issues like depression or anxiety or like panic attacks and agoraphobia as well. Um, when when I was younger, especially dealing with that, um, still dealing with some of that, but like. With agoraphobia in particular, it's, like, that knowledge of, like, having that space was, like, super important, you know, that you can always go back to that, like, that um, um, that place. And to not have that, to be living out, like, living out of a hotel like we were for the first few weeks, it was, like, pretty, pretty shitty. Yeah. Um, and then, like, nowadays it's more, like, it's, I you know, I try to focus on the practical side of things, just, like, I just, there's just a ton of shit that I need to do, you know, so just focus on doing that. It's, you know, it can get overwhelming sometimes, but it's, uh, you know, it's more like, um, there's no real, I guess the thing that's, that's hard right now is there's no real timeline. Right. So like the, we have, we had insurance on the place and they're rebuilding it because it was a, you know, um, it was an accidental fire. Um, so they're rebuilding the house and they're paying for the rebuild and everything. So, but there's no kind of timeline on when that's going to happen. Um, like, you know, I haven't been able to start work yet because of like permits from the city and things like that. So, so we're just kind of like, um, stuff feels a lot like it's on hold at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, like everything. I can't really make any big plans. Um, 
I can't really start replacing stuff that we lost. Or no I mean, I could. No real place to put it. Yeah, I mean, we have a temporary place. And, like, you know, temporary place, we're going to be there for a few months, so I could potentially start replacing stuff. But I just, like, it doesn't feel right, you know. Yeah. I'm going to wait till like, it's it's uh, have the have the place back, but right. So it's just like stuff. Just life just kind of feels like on hold, you know. And it's really weird to wake up and it's like shit. It's like almost half a year has gone by. Yeah. It's like it's like June already, you right. know. So it's like six months. And I was like, yeah, twenty seventeen is 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 gonna go by real fast. It's gonna be like pretty much a wash, aside from like you know, aside from music, really. Yeah. Like music is like the one thing that's kept. That's kept going and kept me going as well, you know. And you guys have played shows. You did a little tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so we played... Um, <laughs> funny story. We were supposed to play a show the night of June 6th, uh, January 6th. Okay. The night of the fire. Um, we had a... Um, there was a bill at the Parkside in San Francisco mm-hmm. with... Um, I forget I forget who... Oh, we were supposed to play with Genocide Pack from D.C. Um, they were on tour. And um, we were, you know... We had been practicing, we'd been, you know, busy getting ready for that show. And then, like, you know, the morning of, like, this happens, and, like, you know, I kind of texted Nate. I was like, oh, I was like, I don't think I can do the show tonight. And I just, you know, I sent him a picture of the, the house on fire, you know. And he was like, what the fuck? Like, what's going on? Are you okay? And part of me was like, I still was kind of like, you have a lot of adrenaline going through, like, when something like that's happening, you know, it's, like, real... So I was like, fuck it, I'll play the show, like, you know, thinking, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'd be super, like, super metal to, like, f- you know, announce from the stage, like, yeah, my house burned down this morning, you know, <laughs> like, you know, fuck yeah, like, you know. Um, and I was like, I had half a mind to do that, and then, like, I just, like, later on, like, a few hours and later, I was just like, just like, are you crazy? Like, there's no way I can do this right now. Um... So yeah, we, anyway, we were supposed to play that show. It didn't happen. Um, we played. We played a few shows since then. We went up north to um, Portland, uh, Olympia, and uh, played a show in Tacoma, a festival in Tacoma. Uh, then came back down here, ended the tour in San Francisco with Newsbrush and right. uh, Nepenthes, um, and then yeah, and then we just played a uh, show last weekend with Acid King. Right. Um, so yeah, we've we, we've had a we've had a few things going on. I've been, we've been trying to write as well, um, uh, you know, around around all the stuff going on. It's a little little hard to find time, but um, mm-hmm. you know, I've been trying to write um, some stuff for 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 a new release. Um, and uh, I mean, with music, it's like the the band is there, you know, and it's like still going, and that's really awesome, and I'm really really grateful for that. Um, is that giving you like a sort of a, a sense of refuge? Is that been good for you? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally been a, sen- a place of refuge. Yeah. I mean, it's it's weird with, like, the way... I mean, the way my mind works with, like, whatever. It's, like... If we haven't practiced for a week or so like that, you know, I start getting, like, oh, shit. It's, like... I, I start getting overwhelmed by, like, the idea of going to practice. I'm, like, hmm. oh, no. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to suck. It's going to be terrible. It's, like, you know... I'm, um, but like once I'm actually like able to get myself out of the house and to the practice space, it's like everything's fine and it's awesome and it's great. I mean, just the idea of having a space, like, you know, having a room, like, you know, there, it's like super, um, super comforting, you know, and super, uh, and, and like, well, that's a thing you need. I mean, yeah, 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 totally. It's super important for you to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and like, you know, I mean, it's. It's kind of like where everything else in life, or a lot of stuff in life, is up in the air or on hold. It's like the band right now is like I think it's a very solid place. You know, we have a we have a lineup that I'm, you know, really really happy about. 
Um, really love my bandmates. Um, I think we're, you know, writing writing material that's like very reflective of us, and like I think it's you know some of the best stuff we've been writing. Um, and uh, it I think it's just like it's in a good place right now, yeah. like with the band. So that's you know, that's been that's been awesome. Are you able to? Or have you found yourself tapping into this experience of this year as you're writing? Like, are you channeling that or not consciously yeah. at the moment? It's, it's still a little too early for that, too you know. Fresh, yeah. I mean, I'm still channeling shit from like, you know, <laughs> Jesus, like you know, trauma from trauma from years ago, uh, like you know, to like to 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 make the, the the record. So like, you know, I don't know. Give it a few. Give it a year yeah, or so. Yeah, and maybe yeah. I'll, I'll start writing about the fire. Make uh, the fire record. Yeah, the fire record. There was there was a moment actually when we were standing on the street and watching the house on fire. It was like, um, it was like so the moment that that tree behind our house erupted. Yeah. It like I mean this thing just went whoosh, and it was like these huge flames like shooting up to the sky in the street. It was like this weird apocalyptic like feeling to it. And then I turn around and I look over the road and there's like a in the middle of the street there's a dead cat lying there. So it's like the house is burning, this tree is on yeah. fire, it's like smoke going up to the sky, and there's like this dead cat lying on the street. It was like the end of the world. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah totally. Um, turned out, I mean, it wasn't a dead cat. It turned out I looked closer and it was just a weave lying in the street. Oh, so like, you know, but it, lo- it did look like a dead cat at the time. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is Oakland. There are a lot of weaves lying. There's a lot of weaves lying around. <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, um, I was like, oh yeah, this is some. But even at that time, I was like, man, this is some fucking weird end of the world imagery, yeah, right, like you know. right. There's no good way to segue, but how did you get into heavy music? Um, well, uh, I probably first heard, you know, sat down and consciously listened to like a metal record when I was probably like. 13, 12, 13, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was my friend had a copy of the Jump in the Fire single, the, the Metallica one, yeah. um, on, on cassette. And he lent, lent that to me, and I, like, listened to it, and I was, like, totally, like... It was that, you know, that, like, that weird, like, preteen kind of, like... I was, like, terrified by it and, like, fascinated by it, too. And then, like, you know... Um, he lent me stuff by, like, Danzig and Slayer, and, like, it was totally, you know, that... The, the weird, like, horror movie satanic imagery, and I was, like, totally fascinated by it. Um, and, like, you know, it was a time when I was reading a lot, too. I was like, I'd read a lot of, like, um, horror horror books and comics. I, I, was, I was a big comic person. Okay. Um, this, so this was, um, man, probably, like, like, early, like, late 80s, early 90s. Okay. I was, I was a big fan of 2000 AD, uh, my background is like uh, more UK oriented, so it's like we read a lot of a lot of the um, Judge Dredd, you know, two thousand AD, yeah. like uh, those kind of things. Were you were you living in England? Well, so it's a little uh, it's a little complicated, but it's like yeah, I was born in England. I was born in Leicester, um, and uh, but when I was when we were when I was around six, uh, we moved to my family moved to Hong Kong, which was at that time a British colony. So it was like it was like picking up and moving to another state or something like that. You know, you could just do that and start working there. And um, so I grew up from the age of like six to the age of eighteen there um, in Hong Kong. Yeah, and uh, so that's where that's kind of where I first encountered this stuff. Okay. Yeah, it was like the weird weird time for anyone at that age. I think like you know, but I think like 
metal really or like the heavy music really gave me like um I think more than anything this 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 mythology or this like this aesthetic or this paradigm to just you can just get lost in it you know you could just like um I mean you know this was way before internet was a big thing but like uh you could you would have a record and you would have maybe you'd have lyrics on the inside um and you'd have some imagery and you'd have the music and like that's kind of it you know you often didn't even have photographs of the bands or like you didn't know what everyone looked like you didn't know what it so it's like you had this basic kind of like the aesthetics and the lyrics and the sound and beyond but beyond that you just constructed the the world around it you know right. yourself you used your imagination to just like build all this like mythology about shit you know um and it was like i mean that's what i that's what i really loved you know it was right. it was uh it's funny it was a weird weird segue into like non-music related things but like I remember when I was a kid when I was younger than this my dad I was really fascinated by horror movies and I wanted to watch horror movies all the time um my dad was not he didn't want me to watch horror movies he was like you know and then like I guess like he was just like you know there would be horror movies on TV eventually he's like his his idea of the compromise like because I wouldn't shut up about like you know it was like I'd ask him questions like what do you think happens then what do you think happens then what do you blah 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 and eventually he would record the movies off TV um, for me, it, like hitting pause, like whenever he thought that there was a scene they shouldn't see, you know, and like, um, so, but, but I think that the, anyway, the, the reason I brought this up is like, I think the, the idea of the films and like the world I constructed in my head around these films was way like, way more interesting, way more scary, like actually way more fucked up than like the films actually. So I was like Nightmare on Elm Street or something, you know, I would see like posters for it or I would see like ads on TV and I would just like, and I wasn't allowed to watch it so I just like constructed this whole like, oh shit and then like, whoa, this guy must do this and like this guy, like, you know, and it's just all the shit happened in my head that never happened in the movies. So I watched the movies, I was kind of like disappointed actually. (laughs) I was like, I was like, oh, that's it. Like, you know. (laughs) Don't quite live up to the build up. Yeah, so yeah. it's just like you know, for for me, it's like that's that's always been the thing. It's like been, it's been worlds to get lost in, you know, yeah, and, and, or to develop yourself, you know, yeah. Well, and the music and and horror films and books and comics. I mean, all of that is just perfect for that. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's perfect for that kid that what you're describing totally fits me. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm a little bit older, so it was a little bit before that, but you know, it's it, to a T. It's spending a lot of time by myself creating these worlds getting lost and uh, I mean Clive Barker's Books of Blood absolutely were the that day that was the shit yeah man. that was the yeah <laughs> totally I lo- oh my god yeah um, and I was 13 when I started reading this mm-hmm. just mind blowing Midnight mm-hmm. Meat Train and Rawhead Rex and all oh that my god stuff. the Midnight Meat Train one yeah, I was like yeah that was that was some crazy shit and then I read Cabal as well like oh, after that which was yeah. like whew and the Hellbound Heart and yeah. uh, like all these, yeah. I was, yeah, I would, I was, I was totally that kid that would just, yeah. I would, um, like, school and like that kind of shit was just kind of like, and being out in the world was like just like I didn't like it, you yeah. know. I was, I had various issues and I didn't like it, and I was like, you know, and so I would always like as soon as school was over, I would like couldn't wait to get home and just like you know find a space to just like read, you know, yeah. or, like. Um, or, or well, to a lesser extent, write. I think I got into the writing part a little more late, little later. Okay. And then, of course, like you know, when music came into it, um, uh, I started playing music when I was around fourteen. When I was, uh, I started playing drums. That was okay. my, my first instrument. I had played, I had played music before, but it was more like, I, I always felt like I was being, you know, 
you need to take lessons to this. Right. Like, you know, like piano lessons and like... Um, Actually, my first instrument was trumpet, um, which is funny because nice. Layla's, Layla's instrument is yeah. trumpet too. Yeah. Um, and trumpet I actually really enjoyed and like got, got into it. Um, Were you taking that like through school band kind of thing? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and then I, I later had a, um, a tutor as well like because uh, I um, was try, trying to improve to play in the, in the, in the, uh, play the classical stuff like in the orchestra. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then by the time I was like 13, 14, like it had already kind of, I was still playing it, but it, my interest had kind of petered out a little bit. Like I was, you know, you're just at that age where you're, you're looking for maybe like looking for something of your own. Like, you know, that, that's like not, this always felt like something that my, you know, my folks had like been interested in, you know. And at that point, you're also getting, I mean, you're starting to get into metal. You're starting to find yeah. stuff that was going to define you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, and you want you want something that I don't know, to have, to I guess to some extent just something that you've chosen, you know. Yeah. Um, and that you that you want to pursue drums, just kind of like uh, so that was I ended up playing drums, um, and it was. Uh, it's funny. It was like I was in this would have been like eighth grade or something like that maybe, and uh, I we, we we had like a music lesson like you know as part of school like you know. And, like, there was one music lesson where um, I had just been given, like, they were like, all right, Pranjo, you play drums. And I was like, okay, like, you know, and I kind of, like, was, I'd never played drums before, never played, it was a drum kit, and I, you know, I was kind of like, you know, I found I could kind of kind of keep a beat, you know, and I was doing that. Um, and then a couple of guys who were who were in my in my grade were like, oh, yeah, like, we should, we should, uh, the, um, we should start a band. Like, we should uh, play, like, you know, just, like, three-chord stuff or, like, you know, whatever. Um, and it was like, oh, Pronto, you should play drums. And I was like, I was like, really? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like you, yeah, you're, you're good at it. And I was like, okay. And then, you know, just, like, kind of started this, like, um, this, this like, kind of, like, garage rock, like, three-chord three kind yeah. of band. Super, like, people were super into, like, um, the guitar player that um, was super into, like, Sonic Youth and, like, uh, Nirvana and uh, you know those kind of bands um, but it was totally like you know when we first started it was just totally like and he was it's a funny time to look back on because it's you know you look on it with a mix of like nostalgia and like it's just cringing just thinking back but but I, you know, I, when I think back to it, it's like I have to credit that dude, um, Warwick, his name was. Um, I have to credit him with like uh, with with actually getting me to just like play music, you know, because I was totally just like, oh, I don't know if I could do that and stuff. And he's like, probably you should play drums, and I was like, oh, I like I don't know. He's like, no, like you should totally do this. He, I mean, he was the, he he was like born to be like a band leader, you know. He was like totally like, no, you should. Do it. And he's like, all right, no, go, you do it. And I'd, I'd be like, okay, and like you know, kind of that's how. But that's how I started playing drums, you know. It's this uh, this very big personality guy who like totally was like, no, let's do it. Like, and then and then we're like, oh, he was like, he was he was totally the guy that was like, all right. It was like two weeks. We had been together two weeks. He's like, all right, we are our first show. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, you know, what do you mean we have our show? Like, we could barely, like, barely hold a song together, you know? Um, but we played a show. <laughs> it was terrible, but, um, you know. Um, but then I ended up playing with those guys until I was 18. Okay. Like, so it was like four, uh, like about four or four years or so. Um, for, um, kind of grew up together playing. Yeah, grew up together playing and just learning our instruments, you know. And it was, I think, like, 
once I actually started playing drums, I was like, you know, I was like real, I kind of got a little obsessive with like, I wanted to like learn the instrument and like, you know, think about it like how a drummer would think about, you know, um, all I knew was, was from watching like, you know, concert videos or something, you know, so Lars Ulrich playing like things or like, um, Igor Cavalera was a big one, you know, watching that Arise, the, the, the Arise tour that they did in, um, there, there's a live video called Under Siege. It's like live in Barcelona. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. That was like on repeat. Okay. You know, it was like you know the days of VHS. It was yeah. like someone somewhere had a copy. Yeah. And we had like somehow like copied it. It was like a fourth generation yeah. like copy of a copy. Yeah, that's how I got mine too. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. And it was just like a real shitty thing. We would just watch it obsessively, yeah. you know. And it was the same for like those you know those Metallica things that came out like the um, uh, like the 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 Cliff them all and yeah. uh, um. And then, like, the later, like, what was the later one? Like, I think it was, like, Year and a Half it was in the year Life of Metallica, yeah. the Making of the Black Album. Making of the Black yeah. Album, yeah. Um, so, we, that, but it was just, like, that was, um, also, you have to, like, living in Hong Kong, it was, like, we had real limited access to music. Right, so I was going to ask, yeah, but what was that, what was that like, the act, you know, in terms of access, being able to get your hands on stuff? We, we weren't really able to get our hands on anything. Um, and it was, like, you know, I would do, um... Obviously, like, all the commercial stuff that was the, the big bands, like, we could find it, but it was, like, still, like, you know, specialty. Like, not, like, there were record stores where you could find that stuff, you know, like Metallica or, like, uh, Megadeth or Judas Priest. Right. Motorhead, like, things like that. Um, so it's, like, I got to know that stuff really well. Um, and then, like, uh, but, you know, the, the, like, smaller labels or underground, like, it was it wasn't even, like, a at that age at least it wasn't even like a concept to us that like there was like we knew there was kind of stuff going on but we had no access to it you know and it was like a real like there was no way to get that stuff right. you know we would just like we would I mean I would it, later we, we kind of got into like um, zines and things like that and if you had access to magazines and how you were how you would even find out that there was all this other stuff happening we had little access to magazines I mean we had like um, we used to get like back then in Hong Kong we got like the um, the the local music scene was just like terrible so there was no real like Hong Kong based it was almost non-existent basically yeah. I don't, I don't say it's terrible it's just it just wasn't there right. there was no real Hong Kong based like music thing for like heavy music you know and we were flooded with all the like the, the worst of the UK stuff you know like the like hit not hit parader um but, you know, the equivalent of that, like, smash hits. That was, oh, was a okay. smash hits. Um, and we would get, like, Kerrang! and stuff like that, you know. So we, we, would, we would totally buy... Uh, the Kerrang! thing was, like, real... Um, I remember getting the Kerrang! issue... Uh, I think it was... Was it Kerrang? One what, what, what of those big magazines that did that famous black metal issue. Um, Kerrang! was it... I think, I think it was Kerrang! It might have been... Kerrang! or Metal Hammer. I think it was Kerrang! I think it... Yeah, it was, it was one of those two, but it was... Um, my friend somehow got a copy of this, okay. like, um, who we played in the band with, and it was, like, the only copy that was around. It was just, like... And we would sit there at school just, like, you know... We would, like, study... We were, like, studying this stuff, yeah. you know? It was, like... We, and it was, like... And that, like, to me, like... I mean, the, that, that black metal at that time was so fascinating to me because it was, like... It was just, you know, talk about building a mythology it's like yeah, right. you know I, mean, I think I think that's you know it's not even controversial to say that's the reason it became so popular is cause like I mean it was like you had fucking murders and like fucking crimes and like you know like arson and burning churches and like and it was in fucking Norway which like you know for all intents and purposes is like you know 
Mars or something, you know, like the end of the Earth somewhere. So it was like this weird, like thinking there's some weird, like cult playing heavy music in this like frozen country where right. like there's like and they're killing each other and they're burning shit and it's uh and there's the names and there's the there I mean there's corpse paint and there's all of that stuff yeah in this in this package yeah. Yeah, yeah and it was very like the access we had to was so limited that like all we saw was like a couple of pictures here and there you know and it was like it was you just couldn't find any information about these guys. So it's like, you know, you just see a Nalo, like Dark Throne or like Mayhem or something like that, like Burzum. And like, uh, I mean, aside from this Kerrang thing, which was like, you know, which was just like this ridiculous piece in retrospect, you know, it's like just this totally like, you know, oh my God, these guys are crazy. They're going to kill everything. And like, um, and, and then I had like, you know, fucking Varg Vigorness talking about like, he was like, oh, they asked him what he, if he would like something to eat while he was in jail, and he said, a Bible. <laughs> yeah, no, and then, like, just, like, stupid shit like that. But, like, it was that, like, w- compared to, like, um, or, or, like, combined with, like, stories of the crimes that had happened, mm-hmm. and no one had their story straight, so it was like, oh, he killed, like, there was, like, ten dudes killed, and then, like, yeah. they burned a church full of worshippers, and they, like, you know, and all these, like, rumors just kind of, like, you know, like, I talked about, like, building that mythology right. or building that, like, that, that story or that world in your head. I mean, that was, like, part of it was, like, really fertile ground for that Absolutely. shit, you know? Yeah. And plus, like, we just couldn't get a hold of any of this stuff. Like, I found, like, about a year after I, we read that, that, that Kerrang shit, like, um... I found in a second-hand store in Hong Kong, of all places, like this random second-hand store, um, the Funeral Fog single okay. um, on CD. And I was like, mayhem. I was like, what? Like, oh, shit, it's that bad. Like, you know, totally immediately bought it, you know, and um, put it on. And I was just like, well, first of all, I was just like, what the fuck is this? You know, it's like so, like... But then it was just, like, so cold-sounding and so, yeah. like, you know, it was, like... And Attila's vocals on that. Oh, it's, like, scary, you know? And it was, like, I was t- it totally fed into that, like, you know, my, my love of, like, the the, the, the horror aesthetic and... And, yeah. uh, and it was, like... But it was, like, genuinely frightening in a way that was, like... Because there was, like, you know, actual, like, murder involved and there was, like, you know... There was some real stuff that happened. You didn't quite know who these guys were. And, right. like, you know... You like, didn't even totally know what happened. Yeah, you said. I mean, you're putting it all together. Yeah, and it ends up probably being the idea that you had, the world you created around it, based on all the little bits and pieces, was probably more exciting than, you know, than what it actually. Well, I mean, absolutely, and that point is proven when you look at black metal now. Like, you know, it's like I mean, you look at it under the, you know, the, the the glaring light of the internet, where you could just you know, type some name and look up, you can find the guy's fucking home address, you know, right. these days. It's like, it, it's not, it's not, I mean, I think there's still some good black metal bands out there for sure. Um, but it's not a genre that holds up to scrutiny as well as uh, others. Like, I think there's, there's a, there's an element of mystery that was there in the old days that added to the whole, like the, the whole feel of, of everything. Um, which that mystery, once you have just, act, you know, in access to information and like, and not just information, but, like, any recording. Like, you could find, like, practice recordings sure. of, like, any of these bands, you know. And, like, oh, this demo that was so rare that you were, you know, like, oh, yeah, you can just find it on YouTube. Like, you can do it now. I think with that that, that, that glaring light of, like, all-powerful information, like, at your fingertips, it's lost that mystery and, and I think has lost a lot of its power in that, and, in, in, yeah. Yeah, we, I mean, it's interesting, um, you know, because here... We had access to probably a little bit more than you had access to in Hong Kong, but still, I mean, like I remember when one of the local stores started getting 
Immortal CDs. Mm -hmm. And those were really expensive. You know, yeah. and they, they were all imports, super expensive. And they would, you know, they, they would get, they would have like eight imported black metal CDs or something, and they'd all be like 25 bucks. And mm -hmm. So I'd have to pick and choose which, you know, what I was going to buy. And they would, there was, like you're saying, I mean, it was limited access, limited information. No one really knew what all this was about um, and what it sounded like. Um, but I think that now that we have all this information and there is a spotlight and we, you know, it's, it's totally, all of it's wide open. Um, you have to go back and listen to that stuff and really appreciate it for what it was. Sure. You know, and, you know, in the night side eclipses is brilliant. Phenomenal. Album. Phenomenal. Yeah. 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 And, and Anthem's still walking at dusk yeah. as well. Like, yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Um, so, um, yeah, but, but I think, I think what you're saying is totally true is that there was something, uh, super unique about what was happening at that moment that made that that much more interesting. Yeah. I think, like, you know, it's... If you go back to the idea of creating creating mythology or creating those worlds, it's like... Like I said, it was the mystery of, like, not knowing something that imbued it with that power. You know, I think, again, it was, like, the mystery of not having all that information about them and just having, like, patchy recordings here and there, right. maybe an album, something like that. It's like you, you, would, you would... It's like you're, you're giving power to this myth. Yeah. Um, by your own imagination, you know, um, whereas now you're you're kind of like exposing the myth with this with right. this with this bright spotlight, right. and it and it just kind of like you know, I don't know. There's a, oh, speaking of Clive Barker, there was this um, there's a quote that's very f um, appropriate for that. Was like um, from I think it was from Hellbound Heart, but it was like you know it's like it's something like I'm gonna paraphrase because it's a long quote, but it was like you know you have something there that's beautiful, and you become, you know, you're, you're obsessed with its beauty and, you know, you just can't keep your hands off it. And before you know it, it's on the cutting table, been ripped open, dissected, like lying in pieces. And you don't know what it's there, what it, what it is anymore, but it's not a thing and it's not beautiful. Right. <laughs> right. We have that compulsion to learn as much as we can about something that we love. Um, but in doing that, sometimes we're destroying it in mm -hmm. You know, in uh, in exploring it, we're we're completely destroying the mystery. Yeah. And sometimes it's better just to have. Sometimes it's better just to have that mysterious thing. I think certainly for like art and yeah. uh, and and um, aesthetic things, at least you know, there's the there's power in mystery because it's the power of your own imagination and your own you know fueled by your own experiences and your whatever's going on inside you, you know? Well, and that's when it becomes personal, and that's yep. when it becomes meaningful, and that's when it becomes yours, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just, like, thinking back to, like, reading lyric sheets, you know, or, like, you know, CD booklets or something with the lyrics, Yeah. and you just, like, you know, you'd read them, and you, you, you don't, like... And you come up with your own meaning for them, essentially. Like, you know, I mean, some of them are obviously, like, super clear, but, like, you know. Um, but, like, I mean, even the ones that are super clear are, like, silly sounding, you know? Like, stupid, you know, just like, like, I am the one orgasmatron, the outro. It's like, it's like, what is this thing? Like, what is this right. orgasm? And you have to come up with this idea of some, like, weird fucking monster, and then there's somehow there's orgasms involved in it, too. And it's like, you know, some weird shit. Um, or, like... Um, like the Slayer stuff too. It was like you know, like sitting there reading Slayer lyrics and like, um, 
they're, they're, they have repeated references, I remember, to, like, you know, just, like, stuff dripping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, some things dripping from above or, like, you know, this dripping or, like, drops of things falling. And, like, um, I don't know, like, without without really, like, sitting with the lyrics, that might, that, that thing, image might get lost. But it's, like, to me, it's, like, I still think of Slayer as, like, the dripping band. You know, the band that, like, you know, there's, like, you know, bodies hanging from a ceiling and, like, right. blood dripping or, like, something, like, you know, there's always, like, it was a... Something that kept coming back to for whatever reason. Yeah, it was pretty powerful, apparently. Yeah, I think that aesthetic is really important, too. I, rem- I remember being disturbed, especially twice. And the first was when I got the first Wasp album mm-hmm. and trying to kind of take in that the cover, both the front and the back, um, and knowing nothing about them, kind of, which kind of goes back to what you were saying. And then the second was I got Hello Waits, right when it came out. I remember mm-hmm. taking a bus to the record store and getting Hello Waits, and I, I think I was 12, and on the bus ride home, just looking at that cover, and again, knowing you know not really anything about this band, and infusing it with all kinds of meaning and being really uh, unsure about whether this was a road I wanted to lock down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, totally, yeah. There's that, There's that. like, I don't know if I want to do this. Right. You know, it's like, yeah. There's totally, yeah. Um, that's definitely a feeling I remember, too. Yeah. Um, an album like that for us was, uh, for me, was, um, well, there were the Sepultura albums, which are good, because Sepultura was like, you could sometimes find that stuff. Okay. So it, was, it felt a little more, like, underground, or, like, not, not as many people knew about Sepultura as did, like, Metallica or something like that, you know. So is this like around Arise that time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It would have been. Um, so I had Arise, and then I, um, you know, got Schizophrenia mm-hmm. and uh, Beneath the Remains, um, and uh, so like you know that was like, um, that was like kind of felt more underground or whatever, at least to us. Um, and then uh, we had somehow ended up with a copy of Entune's Left Hand Path. Okay. Uh, which was like the same thing it was like again like I don't know anything about this band they're from like Sweden you know and like just like listening to the listening to the record and staring at that the, the Dan Seagrave album yeah. art you know and just like it's like you know you're like walking through that like path you know and you yeah. would just do that for hours yeah. you know and, uh, yeah. yeah and it's funny you say because you said we somehow got a copy of it which makes me think that one of you one of your you or one of your friends got a copy of yeah. it and then copied it for everybody else it's exactly what happened it's exactly exactly what happened yeah somehow like I don't know how we ended up with half half this shit but like yeah (laughs) we would do do that Um, and it's funny because like Sepultura was um, was like everyone loved that and it was but it was this interesting important band in a way like um, because they were from Brazil and I'd never heard I'd never heard of a metal band from Brazil before you know I mean obviously now it's like it's a uh, you know been exposed to more stuff, learn more. Um, it's like you know obviously there's a big metal scene in Brazil for 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 a long time and like you know, a lot of them are inventors of a lot of the shit we listen to you know so it's like but you know not knowing any of that I was like holy shit like there's this band from Brazil and like, it felt cool to us because it was like they were from a part of the world that was not they weren't Americans you know right. they weren't Americans or British like you know which was like essentially. Um, that was where you had to be if you wanted to become like a famous band, you know, but it was like, Oh, well, there's this band from Brazil doing it and they're fucking great. And they're like, you know, um, and it's funny. It's like, I, I, a lot of my friends from various parts of Asia, like totally, totally have that regard for Sepultura too. Um, because they were like, 
commercially probably the first metal band from Brazil that like you know really it got distributed there. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, I I can't can't think of any others. No. I can't think of any others that would be there right now. Like you know, it's like you know maybe like now you'd get like Ratos de Parau or like something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it was like they they were totally seen as like you know from an unfashionable part of the world, part of the you know like you know whatever third world or something like that or like you know continent that wasn't really looked at or that was overlooked you know um and it was like inspiring in a way you know because it was these these guys from brazil who were who were who were fucking playing extremely heavy music right um yeah and then you could do some myth building around that too i mean yeah now there's this other place yeah absolutely absolutely and like geez like all you you didn't know anything about brazil you know it's like I mean, what what does a kid of fourteen like you know across the world know about yeah, Brazil? Right. It's like yeah. beaches and like you know, um, I don't know crime or something like that. Right. Like I'm a big soccer fan, so I knew obviously about the like all the all the the, the players from that part of the world. But that's yeah. really all I knew, you know. And then I'm just like thinking about how crazy it must be to go to a show in Brazil. Like you know, go to a Sepultura show. It must be like, you know, it's like you're you're taking your life into your own hands if you do that. You know, it's. Uh, um, like the image I had of Brazil was all from, I mean, was all Iron Maiden related because oh, at yeah. that point, you know, 1985. Oh yeah, you're play, right, you're right. Yeah, and all those see all those pictures of them in Rio and everything. And oh yeah, we had we had that ta- a tape of Rock in Rio too. Yeah, so it's yeah. like yeah, you're right. I do. I, yeah, I didn't put two and two together. I guess, but yeah. So I just always thought of Brazil as, as like no matter what band is playing, it's in a massive stadium yeah with a hundred thousand people because that's all i that's the reference i had was all that iron maiden stuff or, or rock and rio yeah totally yeah and it's funny you say iron maiden because i mean they're huge there too and like the, that's one of the bands that like i mean they're a british band but uh you know seem like universally loved around like asia and the south america yeah. too and it's just like all my friends, like, when they did that tour that, you know, they put that movie out a few years ago, the Flight 666, Flight 666 yeah. um, and they did that first, the first tour with their own, with their own plane, right. and they could come up with their own destinations or whatever. Bruce was flying. Uh, Bruce was flying it, yep. Yeah. Um, and the first place they went to was India. Yeah. Which was like, like, I can't even imagine, like, uh, I, like I never lived in India, but I, you know, visited plenty of times and, you know, have friends there. I had friends there at that age, too, who were into heavy-ish music, um, I mean, talk about, like, if we couldn't get anything in Hong Kong, like, I mean, India could... I mean, these guys were listening to... Um, they could they would find, like, Motorhead and, you know, some things like that, but mostly were listening to, like, you know, a lot of classic rock stuff. Rainbow, uh, Jethro Tull... Um, all good stuff. All, all, great, all great stuff and, and, and essential shit, you know? And, like, these guys... Tur- like, a lot of the Indian guys turned me on to that stuff because... That was the, the shit that was available. Yeah. Um, but they, and Maiden was like the band that was like, you could get that. And they like, like, were obsessive about like Maiden, like completely loved it. And yet, you know, I think for me as well, like, it was just this kind of feeling that like, oh yeah, these bands are there, but you can't ever like get close to them. Like, right. you know, you'll never, that, that, that's just like another planet. Like, right. you know, and like forget ever thinking that you're going to see them live, you know. <laughs> yeah. So then when they, when they did that tour and they went to, um, India first. I can only imagine how like like people must have traveled for like thousands of miles to go see that shit. Well, you you saw people just leaping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just I, I teared up watching the movie, yeah, like yeah. imagining how like how it must have felt. I mean, there was a there was an episode or the episode. <laughs> what are we talking about? The um, the concert they played in Costa Rica, and it was like uh, like people had come from like all over the 
all over Central America yeah. to like to, to to go see it and like they interviewed these 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 metal fans there, you know, and they were like, they were like. Oh man, it's like yeah, I grew up loving heavy music, love Iron Maiden, blah blah blah, and then he's like, "Well, too bad, you live in the asshole of the world, you can't ever see them, you know." And then that with them, it's like, and then they're here, they just like couldn't. There was a complete disbelief that yeah. they were there, you know. Yeah. Um, and and, and like, but in a, in a lot of ways, they kind of opened opened a lot of doors, like because, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know what the reason was, but like you know, people just didn't want to take a risk of going somewhere like India, I guess. But since then. There have been a lot of bands going there. Like, you know, Slayer went there. Uh, I'm sure Metallica's been there. I'm not sure if Metallica has been there. Yeah. Maybe. Um, from, what I, from, from when I remember, it was like the only bands that I ever really played there were... Like, Deep Purple played in India. Okay. Um, and... I think like Mark Knopfler played there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not, not like, you know, him by himself. Like, him, yeah. him doing his solo thing. Um, and there was like isolated things here and there, but never like anything you really, you know, um, you, it was just, it was the kind of thing where it's like, you're, you're just like, you're thirsting for something. So you just take what you can get. Like, you know, so it's like, um, that's why you listen to bands like, I don't know, like Smokey, you you listen to Smokey or like, um, uh, just this like in retrospect, like pretty average Mm -hmm. classic rock stuff that was like, but you, you loved it, you know? Yeah. When did you leave Hong Kong? I left when I was 18. Okay. Um, I had a scholarship to study in the United States. So okay. um, that's how I ended up here. Um, and I studied in Philadelphia. And, uh, I mean, Hong Kong is still... Home is a weird concept, but it's still pretty much like, you know, as my, my folks are still there. They so are. Like, that's like... Um, my, my, my dad's still teaching. Um, he's, a, he's a math teacher. Okay. Um, so he's, uh, he's, still, he's still doing some teaching and stuff. So they're there. Um, then, but, you know, I've lived in the United States like, longer than I've lived anywhere now, okay. so, um, by this point, um, yeah, so I, I, was in Philadelphia for about four years, um, and then moved back to the United Kingdom for a year, and moved back to Hong Kong, uh, for, until about 2006, uh, and then moved here in 2000, yeah, moved here in 2006, no, 2006-7, okay. um, to the Bay Area, um, it was the relationship stuff at the time, I was married, um, to a woman from out here, which is no longer the case, uh, but um, yeah, that's how I ended up in 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 uh, in Oakland. Okay. Uh, and then yeah, so I've, I've 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 been here ever since. So you know, obviously something about it, something yeah. about it has kept me here. Something you know. stuck. Yeah. Were you stuck to it? Yeah, or I stuck to it. You yeah. know, it's cool. I mean, I I really did. I think when I moved here to the states, it was like the first time I'd really experienced that thing of like you know people taking music and playing music and art and stuff like like really seriously like that's like mm-hmm. their life and like and the idea that you would have like you know like you just works to make money so that you could keep playing music you know it's like you know I mean this which is essentially what I've done for the rest of my life you know um, and I so you know when I moved back to, to, to Hong Kong I, I had a band out there for a while which is more of like a not my teenage band you know so um, I wanted to ask you about mm-hmm. it because um I've heard just a little bit. I know there's some up on YouTube. Kind of a crusty, sort of a crusty sludge kind of... Am I, am I thinking of the same Yeah, thing? yeah, non Harshia. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a two-piece band, um, and I played drums and sang. Yeah. And, which was the first time I'd done that, actually. I'd, like, never actually sung before. Um, 
So, uh, but it was like, that was all like screaming vocals. Yeah. Um, it's very different from what you're doing now. I mean, it's got completely different. It was, I mean, it's a super fun band to be in because it was like fast, fast and then like had sludgy parts. Um, we both sang. And because it was a two piece, the, you know, live shows were always kind of manic. Like, you know, everyone, like both of us singing and like, you know, um, I think, you know, I think uh, we, we, we wrote some good stuff. We kind of took it as far as we could take it. Um, and then uh, I, I, you know, decided to move move over here, so that that kind of that fell apart. Still, still look back on it fondly. We played some 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 awesome, awesome shows out there. Um, the live music scene is was like you know, a little bit a little bit better than it was when I was uh, when I was younger. It was certainly like more bands actually like playing, and um, there was uh, you know actually like a metal scene uh, at times. The one of the highlights for me was the um, on sixth uh, of June two thousand six. The six six six, we had a we had a, a metal concert like there was like six 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 night and it was free. Um, and it was at a bar and it was like we played Nanahara Shuya, which was my band played. Um, we played with a band called Bereavement, which was like a doom metal band, um, like old Catatonia style doom. Um, really good band. Yeah. Um, Hermetic Silence, which was like death metal, um, and then this band called Dying Process. Two of <laughs> their band, sorry, it's a really grim segue, but like the uh, band called Dying Process, two of whose members committed suicide. So like, you know, they're two of them are actually dead now. Yeah. But uh, so we played with those guys, and that was like, I mean, that was like really the bands were great. The fucking place was packed. It was just like, and it, it felt like really. Uh, like there's real energy there, you know. Of course, I ended up moving like about a month after that, so I was, you know, didn't get to see any um, any results of that. But like, yeah, I mean, you know, there's still there's still a scene out there. There's yeah. still you know, still some bands, um, some some really good bands from out there. Uh, Bereavement, Hermetic Silence, I believe, are still going. A band called Evocation, it's pretty good. Uh, there's a lot of like hardcore is really big out there, okay. like American style, like newer hardcore like you know like chugga chugga hardcore right. like you know so there's a lot of bands like that um there's a lot more like interest in playing music um in general there's a lot more like ability to play and record and play shows and things like that um and there was a there was a, a venue out there called hidden agenda um which is like it's been around for for like 10 years or so and like it just been her you know kind of a secret ish venue um, harassed by police all the time, but like, um, fi- actually, a couple of weeks ago, they just had a they had some band from the UK playing there, and um, the immigration and police like came in during the show and like arrested arrested the band members for 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 uh, playing a show like working illegally, working, you yeah. know, working illegally, um, and arrested a couple of audience members and the, and the the organizers and stuff. Wow. So they deal. <laughs> I mean, those guys are, and they're, that venue is like, if, if anyone has a chance, if anyone's thinking about an Asia tour, they should play Hidden Agenda because it's like the best fucking sound. Like, it's like, it's a, it's a DIY venue, but their sound system is like amazing. They professionally record everything like video and, okay. and, uh, thing. And it's like, it's just, it's just like, um, and they've had everyone from like, you know, they have like local shows there, but they also have, when bands from overseas come, that's. Probably like the place to play, so yeah. like you know, like suffocation played there, like Vader played there. Okay. Uh, 
you know, flesh god apocalypse played there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, well, it sounds like still you left on kind of a high note. Um, yeah, and then I'd uh, go cash my cash my check. Yeah, and, like, right. you know, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it was a high note, like musically, I guess. It was a very like getting to like real like ups and down days, like you know, personally with like personal shit going okay. on. But like, um, like I was ready to draw a line under living there. You know, okay. um, we came here, things were you know a little better, and like you know, uh, you know, there, you, you know how it is. It's just like you fucking like. Ups and downs wherever you live. Sure. Like if you're off a certain, if you're off a certain disposition. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's just something, just something you have to deal with, you know. So I was, I mean, anyway, I was ready to leave when I when okay. I, um, yeah. I was working in a bookstore at the time and uh, trying to practice and play music like around that, you know. But it's like, in a city like that, it's like you know, it's like working. You work. I was working six days a week, ten hour, ten hour yeah. days. Um, and making like, you know, make anything like, especially like cost of living over there. So it was like, it's, it's just like not a, it's not something you can do long term, you know? So you moved to Philly, moved to Philly yep, and studied there. Yep. And, uh, was real, really exposed to like DIY stuff. Okay. Um, a lot out there that the Stalag 13 was a venue that was still going, going strong out there when I, when I, um, moved there. That was awesome, and that was like you know, total like, you know DIY space. They would have like a lot of punk shows there, a lot of like some metal shows there, like indie rock shows, um, and it was like you know five six dollar shows. You'd go see like you know it's like his hero's gone right. like um, and like all kinds of like exposed to these like different scenes for the first time you know right like. Um, and, and getting to see bands that I just like never thought I'd see actually funnily enough one of the first shows I went to was Sepultura oh. uh, when I moved out here which again the symptom of not really having the internet I got there and then like I was like so excited and then like you know this dude comes out and I'm like that's not Max <laughs> you know he like picks up the guitar and starts singing I was like I was like I was like this, this, this who is this dude and like um, and someone in the audience around me was like, well, actually, you know, it's like, of course, like I had to be standing next to like some dude like that. He was just like, actually, Max left the band. Like, well, I was like, what? And then like, it was one of uh, Derek Green's first shows with them. And okay. like, he he had like, they were playing Beneath the Remains. The, like, Andreas came and kicked him in the ass because he was forgetting guitar parts and shit. And I was like, ah, like, you know. Like, <laughs> it's it's got to suck to be that guy. I yeah, think, totally. Because he really does try oh he's uh, he's he has there's no faulting his like his yeah. work ethic and yeah. his like you know the time and energy he puts into the band i've not really been able to listen to sepultura since uh i guess since chaos ad yeah no i'm with you yeah um like i have i have kind of, i'm not like i'm not like a total roots hater mm-hmm. i have a soft spot for roots I, I can objectively i can tell that it's like pretty terrible like you know but like I don't know, there's something about the time that I first listened to it or something that I kind of have fond memories of it. Yeah. Like, um, I still, it's just like, it's not an album I'll ever put on. Right, <laughs> like, right. And when they did that tour with, like, the the Max and Igor touring on Roots, like, yeah. that just happened, like, yeah. a few months ago, and it was just like, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you yeah. Know, yeah. Um, of all the things to do. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, you get back together, and it's this big thing, and you play yeah. Roots of all things. Right. And, uh, right. yeah, anyway... 
one of those bands that I'm like, I mean, I got to see him, but I never got to see him with Max, you know, so okay. it's like, ah, ah, like one of those just, just late to the party on that. <laughs>
It's a very interesting time, like, I think that he was writing, like, you know, in the, I guess in the 80s mostly. Um, it's, and, and especially where he was at that time, like, you know, Liverpool, he, he's, he's a Liverpudlian. Um, and, you know, so much great art has come out of that nor- northern part of England, you know, like, Liverpool and Manchester are, like, you know, 30, 30 miles away from each yeah. other. So, like, there's just so much great art that's come out of, like, a lot of... Um, a lot of stuff that pushes boundaries and things. Um, I think the KLF were from Liverpool, as well. Were they? Do you remember? You remember that? I remember band? them. Yeah, they, 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 had, they had some. Um, I mean, it was it's like dance music, so yeah. it's like you know, not really stuff I listened to, right. but they, they had that. Um, is what actually one of the best books I've ever read. The music books I've ever read It's called the KLF. Uh, magic, m- music, magic, chaos, money, or something like that. Okay. Um, and it's like because the KLF did this big thing where they um, they played at the at the Brit Awards like you know the the music ceremony like thing, and they they were playing their big hit or whatever, but they played it with Extreme Noise Terror as their backup <laughs> band. Wow. So Extreme Noise and they just played this like this like and then like and then the guy came out like the 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 KLF guy came out with a machine gun that was filled with blanks and like fired it into the audience wow. and people were freaking out. And, uh, like, they just, like, uh, you know, kind of, like, shit all over this, like, music show. And, like, they went to the, like, after party. There was some glitzy after party, like, you know, for the sh- for the music awards. And they sh- they roll up in a van and, like, open open the van doors and threw a dead sheep, like, into this, this after party. And it said, like, it, like, written on this dead sheep was, like, I died for you, <laughs> like, on it. Um, and then they went and, like... And then they went and deleted all the masters of their of their album, of their like stuff. They like like erased every trace of like so it couldn't be repressed ever. Wow. <laughs> um, they later went even crazier and like they went to the Isle of Jura, like which is out like in the in the, in the, the an outlying island from the United Kingdom. Okay. Took a took a, a ferry out there, like some remote abandoned building or something, and fucking like. They they had made like a million dollars in profit in, in like money from this 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 single or whatever, and they burned it all. Literally, like burned they them. filmed themselves as well burning like this mil like they had a million pounds in a briefcase and yeah. they burned it and like uh, so it, and and like the book is actually it's funny because the the book takes that as this like starting point. Okay. And then just like how fu- I mean how fucked up they were after that they were like oh my god they just burned a million pounds like you know it's like and they it's like it, they got a lot of shit for that obviously but yeah. especially because they went around the country showing this film of them burning a million pounds uh-huh. to audiences who were like fuck you you fucking assholes like you know it's like you know they were just like do you know how much fucking like you know like what what people could have done with yeah, that money right. and like blah 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 and like you know and just like you know um the way it's described in the book at least it's like it was an actual like honest attempt by them to like try and process this like showing this film to people and things like okay. that but like um seems you know they had to know there was going to be a reaction rather tone deaf like to like you know rather tone deaf yeah, to uh, yeah. to yeah. Put it mild. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and the, the 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 statements from them, like, afterwards, are just, like, they were, like, really fucked up, like, from, from, from doing that, you know. Yeah. Um, it's this, uh, you know, like, we were kind of talking about, like, the looking at metal records or whatever and looking at these things and being on this kind of, like, threshold of this world and you're not sure if you want yeah. to go in. Right. You know, you're kind of there and, like... 
Um, much more extreme example, but yeah, they were sitting there and they were like, with this million pounds and a lighter in their hand, and they were like, "Do we want to do this or not?" Like, you know, and it's like once you do, and they they did it. They had a million pounds and they fucking burned it. You know, they crossed that threshold, and there were different people as yeah. <laughs> after 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 that happened. I wonder in hindsight what they think of it. They yeah, it's 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 definitely had an effect on their lives. You know. Um, I think like because they don't have a million pounds because they don't have a million pounds and they you know what else did they have got like you know like as far as like you know how are they going to make a living now you they know? don't have masters anymore <laughs> yeah they don't even have fucking they can't even repress that that shit that made them a million dollars so yeah, like yeah, um, yeah. but it's like I don't know part of me is still like I think that it, there's a fascination to it too you know it's not just like oh my god these guys are crazy like you know there's like there's this like fascination with like crossing a threshold or like going beyond a certain point you know especially in terms of art like you know like or or music or something and like living for that and like doing these things that are like you can't come back from you know um it's like your life becomes art yeah yeah or or like that you it's you're so devoted to it that like you've gone beyond you've, you've gone beyond the point that you can come back from right like, you know, you can't, you can't burn a million pounds, then go get like, you know, a job, like a, start your career the next day, you know, or you're something like that, you know, yeah. it's like you're, 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 you're in it now, <laughs> you're in it for life now, you know, um, I mean, if only to like, you're going to spend your life fucking processing why you burned a million pounds, you know, um, but you know, it's like, it's totally like, you know, the number is symbolic, it's like, it's like a million you know it's like a the something that people aspire to yeah. and you're just like you know you're, you're essentially like you're you're burning it you're 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 turning your back on like the values and the aspirations exactly. of like of of normal society you're back know? on everything that that symbolizes yeah yeah um so there's a there's definitely a certain element of respect like i think i have for for that um it's it's they sure could have done something I, I, sh- as opposed to just buying stuff and living that lifestyle, living living like a millionaire, they sure could have. I mean, they could have given that to some charity or s- they could have done something. Like Absolutely, that. they. I mean, come on, like it's you know, it's just like I mean, yeah, it's but it's so far beyond like what yeah I would do or anyone right. would do. It's like that's I think that's what the where the respect comes into it. It's like oh, you're like you're really like. <laughs> fucking crazy you know or like you're really have, you know 10 more briefcases filled with a million pounds don't need this <laughs> yeah 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 right 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 <laughs> well i mean it's especially interesting the you know burning of it considering that i just like you know mm-hmm. i just lost all my shit in a fire you know so it's right. like um you know burning like it's like there's that sense of respect but there's also that like fuck you like you know like um right I think, like, you know, I've had people ask or tell me, like, oh, yeah, it must be, it must be liberating in a way, you know, because you, like, you don't have any, like, material possessions anymore and shit. I'm like, no, it's not fucking liberating. It's like, it's like, I didn't really have material possessions, like, really, that were burdening me to begin with, right? right? right. It's like the shit that I lost was, like, stuff that I wanted, you know? It meant something to you. Yeah, and it's like, it's not the material stuff, it's the fucking, like, sentimental stuff and the... And and the the idea of home, you know, yeah. that like that that burns, you know, right. that's the so that's the uh, that's the thing. Do people actually come up to you and say it must be liberating, or do they ask if it's liberating? 
I've had both. I've had I've had people. It's usually people that I've just met. Like okay. it's it's which is funny. It's like a friend friends of mine have never. They're always like you know. A little more circumspect about asking and like you know, are you okay? Like you know, do you want to talk about this and right. stuff? But people I've just met it was like I literally had one guy. I'd like, be like, oh, it must be like. Like the first thing he said, it was like, oh, I heard, I heard, like you know, you lost all your fires. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, that must be really liberating. I was like, well, fuck you. Like, you know, it's like, come, come burn your house down, yeah, right. and see what you like. <laughs> right, right. That's weird. Just like, it's not something I, I didn't burn my house down in order to prove a point to society. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I didn't burn like, uh, you know. If I was going to do that, it would have been a little more spectacular. That tree was pretty. If I was going to go out with a bang, it would be a, a little more spectacular than that. But uh, yeah. but no, it's it's it, the the thing I always come back to with that that KLF shit and like the it's like especially in the light of the fire, it's so interesting. But like that idea of like the that they had of like like really turning their backs on society and like really turning their like back like not just turning around like spitting in the face of like just really rudely spitting in the face yeah. of like all the aspirations and all the stuff you're told that you're supposed to aspire to you know mm-hmm. um the very idea of making a living or making it in this society was just like you know they, they just pissed all over that you know that's a i mean that's about as outsider as you can get yeah, you know that, that kind of action you know um I, I feel like, you know, British punk bands, and I, I love a lot of British punk, like, um, and, like, a lot of that was about, like, you know, rejecting society, living differently, like, you know, living in squats, like, uh, I, I actually, th- you know, the KLF shit was, like, way more punk mm-hmm. than, like, than, uh, you know, you can burn the flag, or you can, you know, burning a flag is actually, like, you know, it'll piss some people off, but it's not, like, not really any skin off your teeth to, exactly. like, do that. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They actually had something to lose. Yeah. And yeah, and they consciously chose to like lose it. Yeah. <laughs> Art is funny like that. It's like you respect people that go all in, you know, um, certain kinds of art at least, you know. Um, you, you need those kind of figures that are like s- like insanely devoted to their mm-hmm. to their It's and it's not just a devotion to art, I would say. It's like it's I think art for me is it's like music or art. It's like it's, it's a paradigm or like it's a way that you look at the world, you know, and it's like validating the way you look at the world when you have a sacrifice like that, you know. It's like you're going back to like, you know, ritual concepts or whatever. But like, the the way that you look at the world or like the the the, the mythology that you've built up, you know, that you're talking about, putting that into into practice in the material world means like requires a sacrifice Mm -hmm. and like once you do that it becomes real or it becomes more real you know um and it exists on this plane and not just in your head yeah it's not just a thing you do Mm -hmm. it is it is the life that you're living you're living it yeah and that's like that is your like it's like you you've brought that whatever is in your head like into the world in a very like dramatic way you right. know through sacrifice you know cuz you can bring it into the world through art you can bring it into that but like when you um kind of kind of the way that black metal was like you know so i think more there's still this lingering mystique about that black metal shit with yeah. the you know with the murders and stuff but it was like it was that murder that really like it's the crime you know the transgression 
that makes it so fascinating still, you know, that, that there's a lingering fascination with it because people went beyond like, you know, the, it's like this, this fucking like paradigm they had of like being the, you know, the black circle and like this thing and like, you know, the being the secret society or being this thing. And it's like, you know, like it, it, in some sense it was like, you know, there was a blood sacrifice that made that very real. It's like, you know, it's like, you're not just cosplaying anymore. You're like transgress. You're like you've crossed a border at that point. Right. You're like this shit is real. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's tricky. You know, a friend of mine actually. I had him on the podcast um, back in October, um, and his name is uh, David Eastberg. Mm-hmm. And he um, so he was you know he was in Stockholm when all that stuff was happening in Norway, and he was good friends. You know, dead from mayhem. Yeah, uh, David was good friends with him. So, you know, Dead goes and does the mayhem thing and commits suicide and, and, and all of that. And David was talking about how painful it is for him to see those pictures because everyone's seen those pictures. Of course. I mean, you can just, I'll bring them up right now. And they're right, you know, and he's like, look, I get that this is, this is, for a lot of people, this is about art. This is about um, what was happening at that time. And it's, you know, but this was like, a guy that I was friends with and it's very painful for me to see those pictures. Yeah. And so it, there's that other part of it though. The art's one thing, but there's still that, those relationships and those human connections. Yeah. Um, and that, that makes it hard to navigate sometimes. I think it does. I mean, I think like, you know, you can go back to the, the, the trope or whatever of the, uh, you know, the drug addled, depressed artist yeah you know which which i think still like to 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 a great extent is is uh is lionized you know it's like this this idea that like this tortured artists on drugs and blah 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 and like and you know just like uh with you know having dealt with drug addiction myself or like and and like having like countless friends who have dealt with it and some of them who, who 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 didn't make it you know um, you know, or, or people who have who have taken their own lives. You know, like it, it, when you have those people in your life, it's like yeah, it's it's a it's a different it's a different thing. You know, it's like it's this. I I feel maybe maybe sometimes like the mythologies that we build up and like the, I mean you know like Chris Cornell just killed himself. Yeah. You know that was the um, and like that whole I mean you know talk about a commercial scene at least grunge that was like it was built on the, the founding myth of this, of this depressed artist who killed himself, you right. know, and it was sold to, sold to like grunges, you know, by that point owned by like RCA Columbia or whatever, like, you know, sold to us as this, like, that's how it's supposed to be. Oh, this, this depressed dude doing drugs, like, you know, killed himself making this. And then like, you know, it's, it's all part of the marketing at that point, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard because like, there that is something that people deal with you know that is something that like artists deal with a lot or like you know people at least a lot of people in my life have dealt with and and do deal with every day and yet like it's like um separating that reality from the mythology of it right which is the mythology of the trope of the like you know the the the, you know depressed artist making great art or whatever it's like you know it's i i actually like you know it's like I actually, in my own life, like, I think I, you know, came into my own making music 
once I started dealing with those issues rather than succumbing to them or rather than like wallowing in them, which I was doing for many years, you know, um, I think once I actually started, you know, reached a low point and started seeking help for some of these issues, I was actually able to like, you know, get to, you know, get, get to playing music in a much more honest way and like, you know, and, uh, and, uh, make music that I think was more reflective of myself, you know. Did that start to happen when you moved out here? Look, yeah, it was more like, I think around the time Cardinal Worms started, actually, like probably around like, I mean, the low point I'm talking about, like that was kind of like 2011. So you were here then? Yeah, I was here, yeah. Yeah. And you were married? I was already divorced by that That, point. That, okay. Yeah. That was Um, Yeah. So it was like, you know, kind of like, you know, hitting that low and then like having like basically having to seek seek help. Okay. Being very reluctant to seek help because I'm just, you know No one wants you know, to. No one wants yeah. to seek help, you know, no one wants and, and especially no one wants to seek like, you know, I don't want to take like drugs or you know, or like, you know Yeah. Exactly. Uh, medicine. I don't take like the uh, you know, it's gonna I have that fear it's gonna kill your creativity, it's yeah. gonna make you a zombie, it's gonna like whatever and it's just like, you know Plus it's just it, it's admitting that you need Yeah. It's in, it's admitting that you need some help. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But um, but you know I did, and like you know I'm 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 thankful that I did because I'm still here, and like I think like I've just I've become better as a musician. Like um, I don't I don't know that I approach music differently. I definitely approach playing music differently. Um, I'm not as like like I'm not like nihilistic and stuff like that as far as like you know playing music goes I'm very like I'm actually like playing music I'm very conscious about like okay especially like you know I play drums and I sing so that's like physically it's a very taxing thing especially especially as I'm you know getting older but like um so it's like I've had to like you know basically my approach to like my approach to writing music is different but my approach to playing music like physically is like I, I need to like you know I need to be in a certain amount of shape to like to to play this stuff, right? You know? um, so it's and it's a it's a it's training in a sense, you know. It's a, it's 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 I, I before before shows, I train like I have to train like you know try to train myself physically to stamina wise and like you know singing wise like you know, um, there, there's a lot of training that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like there's a misconce- misconception that like. You know, it's just, it doesn't come from that depressed part of you. Maybe the writing of it does, but the actual performance of it, like, when you're actually playing that shit, like, you need, there, there's a, a lot of practice and a lot of work and a lot of training that goes into it, you know, yeah. that you're not able to do when you're depressed. You it know? has to be, yeah, exactly. It yeah. has to be intentional. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you have to get up and get out of bed and get out of the house and yeah. go and work at this. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, when you're working at it, you need to consciously be, like, all right, like, this is what I need to do. Like, you know, playing this part, like, practice this part. Like, you know, this is how, you know, physically right. do this. Um, these are the, you know, the breath patterns I right. should have, like, you know, to, if I'm doing this. You know, I need to warm up before I do this. Right. I need to, like, you know... I mean, I have to control... Before before we play, like, um, I need to control... Like, I don't drink for... Uh, you know, at least a week or so before mm. I play. Um, I, I don't eat, like, uh, on the day of the show, like, I have to at least, like, it has to be at least three or four hours before, um, after I eat that I play play the show. Okay. 
I can't drink before that. I rarely drink after that. Um, you know, maybe a beer or two, but, um, but yeah, it's like, it's pretty like, it's a lot of discipline. Yeah. Like there's a lot of training, and a lot of discipline that goes into it. And again, like I said, the writing is different. The writing process is completely different. Like I'm talking like strictly about like live playing live process. The writing process is much more like, you know, tapping into those parts that are like, that are not conscious yeah. that are like, and that are, you know, darker and more fucked up and like more like, you know, whatever, like the, the trauma of the past or whatever. I think you're one of my favorite lyricists. Oh, Jesus. And, thank you. <laughs> um, as I read your stuff and it's stuff like, um, pull back the teeth are coming loose, red salt and thick, wet breathing. I mean, it's images like that where you're kind of putting words together that just evoke these these feelings, um, and and these images, right? That don't those words together don't make a lot of rational sense, but when you just take them in and feel what they're mm-hmm. f- feel feel them, there's something very profound. And I think you know it, you and like Dylan Desmond from Bellwitch. Um, and a handful of others have this ability to do that. Did, hmm. did you write that? I guess I should ask. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm assuming, you, are you, do you write most of the lyrics? Yeah, pretty much all of them. Um, I think deep, deep Within, Nate wrote the lyrics for those. Okay. Um, but, like, aside from that, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, like, I always said that, like, all our songs are true stories, and they, they are, like, they're, you know. And there are a lot of stories. Yeah. Yeah. I love I love storytelling. There's like, a lot of storytelling. There, I mean, there are stories within stories. Like, born in a barren land, mm-hmm. right? That's like a story about a story. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this theme that goes through so much of what you're writing. Uh, it's the theme of like, sort of, a journey or a quest or uh, the idea of a seeker. I, I just I see that over and over. And even in um, Castaway Souls, I mean, the artwork. It's on the cover. There's the the head with the open, mm-hmm. uh, the open top and the the raft coming out, and then inside the gatefold. I mean, there's Kim mm-hmm. Holm did that that amazing piece of art. Oh, in, yeah, um, incredible. You know, yeah. so that whole album because of that feels like like a journey in and of itself. But how do you, yeah? I mean, so I've been as I've been really engaging with your stuff. I mean, I've just been wondering how you relate to that idea. Uh, or am I completely off with all? No, of not at all. I, I I think um, that's real central. Not it's it's funny because it's not really a conscious thing that we that we had, but it's become a theme uh, for the for a lot of the songs. Yeah. Um, I think it's just like writing about life's experiences and such. Like you know you, you I think all of us have felt that that way of being like on a journey. Like you know. And not necessarily on a journey that you have any control over, yeah, like you right. know, floating on a river or something like that, you know, um, and that you're 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 searching for something, you know, you're searching for, um, and there's 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 images from the past that haunt you. There's images from the 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 past that like, you know, that 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 inspire you. There's images from the past that that like, will just like dictate how the future goes, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think that's just that's just the way that like life has been, you know, for us, you know, like trying to ex- exploring like it's like exploring in a sense, but you're exploring in the sense of like 
you're caught between two giant voids, you know, you're caught between like the sea below you and the and the like eternity of space above you, you know. And you're this this one figure that's there, you know. And like if you think about it, that's that's what we are in the world, you know. No matter like how how like secure, how 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 organized, how rational our lives may seem, like, you know, that's like like you look up at the sky every night, you know, and that's like there's infinity above your head. And there's just like an infinity that you don't understand. And like there's just so much more to everything that's like there. And like you know, you're 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 kind of this thing. I think a a, a theme of the lyrics as well as like being caught in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. You know, being being stuck like being stuck, and I guess being stuck like in this body. You know, being stuck like in this corporeal form. Like you know, trying to navigate through this like and 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 figure out your way. Yeah, um, yeah. it's like I mean, well, it's funny because dreams of teeth. That that line you read. I mean, it's. The imagery is is actually like um, I mean the shit that really happens. It's like there's um, I uh, dreams of teeth is called that. Like I had the I I had these anxiety dreams for a long time, where I was uh, pushing my um, my lower jaw over my upper teeth like my lower uh, like this while I was asleep, and like pulling back like. So you were like 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 grinding your teeth. I wasn't grinding. It was like my lower teeth would go out. Uh-huh. And go and then and then my jaw would go up and it would okay. go above the upper teeth. Okay. And then as and the jaw returned to its back. natural position, it would pull the the the, the, the front teeth okay. back. And I would wake up with like blood in my mouth, wow. like all the stuff, you know. Okay. And then like you know, there's a you know, long that song about about like waking up and not knowing where you are, or right. like coming to like and you, it's like you know, you know, going into fugue states, like, in past, like, waking up in, like, a fucking, like, shack somewhere, I mean, like, what the fuck did I get here, yeah. you know, and, like, yeah. um, so, like, there's a lot of that, but, like, trying to, like, they're true stories, but they're mixed in with, like, you know, with this kind of, like, thinking about, thinking about those things in the context of, like, the bigger, mm-hmm. bigger shit of, like, you know, well, this anxiety I'm feeling, or this, like, idea of being lost and, like, like, waking up somewhere. And, like, you know, this is, like, kind of ties into, like, bigger things, too. Yeah. Know? Do you think you could have written this type of thing? Do you think Cardinal Worm would exist the way it does now had you not been through, like, the stuff in 2011? Hmm. I... I don't think so. I mean, if only, and I don't want to, like, glor- I, I'm not trying to glorify, like, the worst places that, that I've been, and I don't think... No, and I don't mean to, I don't, I'm not insinuating that you should glorify it, I'm just wondering whether you had to, you had to get through that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, possibly, I mean, I think, I think honestly, like, it's, the clarity that I've had since then, Yeah. you know, the, 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 the ability to... I think I've had the ability to put the stuff into words and music since then. Okay. You know, it's uh, it's not so much the experiences themselves, but going through them and coming out, hopefully, you know, as someone who can function more and being able to look back on them and put those to words. And, right. and, and, and you know, I don't think I would have been able to write these things um, if I hadn't been, th- like, if I hadn't sought help. Right. You right. know, right. I, I don't think I would have. Like, uh, I would have... I was always externalizing these things, you know. I, I would I would have written about like you know, 
something else, like, you know, but something external to myself. Like, you know, the idea of looking in was always, like, a very terrifying um, prospect, which un- until, like, you know, you were forced to do that, you know. Um, so it's, I, 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 like, I don't think I would have been able to come up with any of this stuff. Like, if, if, um, if I hadn't sought help for my, for, for, for my, my uh, issues, you know. I think, and I think that's like, that's, that's been super important to me. Like, you know, um, it's like certainly, certainly like (laughs) in retrospect, certainly a rich vein of like stuff to, to draw from, (laughs) like, you know, but like, you know, but, uh, it's the, I think it's the, I like to stress that it's the, it's the seeing help part that really got me to it. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird thing with, with art, like, cause it's like. You don't know. You don't. You don't really know where this stuff comes from, you know, or like you don't. There, there. But there's. But you know when you hear it or that you read it, like when there's an honesty in it, mm-hmm. you know. And I think like getting to grips, getting to grips with yourself and like your experiences and your past or whatever, and striving for that honesty and describing them is like what I've been trying to do, um, and I think that's like. If if I can make my music sound honest, and sound sincere, or like if I can if I can if I can bring that sincerity to it, if I can bring myself to it, like you know, then that's 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 what I want to do, you know, with the art. I think you're succeeding in that, um, yeah. because as a listener, I read these lyrics and have read all of the the stuff I've been able to read um, that you've written, and it seems very genuine and personal. Sometimes with this kind of music, I mean, they're fantasy stories or, mm-hmm. um, or or whatever, and it's it's like okay, it's a it's a story, you know, some you know power metal band writes a mm-hmm. fantasy epic and it's awesome, and you know, you're right there with it and swords and all that stuff and, and sure and battles and you know that's great, but or more sort of Lovecraftian dreamscape type stuff, but this feels it feels very personal mm-hmm. and. Um, it doesn't feel concrete. It feels like you, but it feels like you're really expressing something that's pretty deep for you, and you're doing it in a way. Like I said, you know, go back to this. I mean, there's. It feels like there is that the idea of a of a journey or a voyage or somebody who's seeking something, and and like you said, sort of stuck in the middle. Mm-hmm. I've had, I've had a lot of teachers, like, as well, you know, like, a lot of people to, like, help me get to that point where, yeah. where I was able to convey those things, yeah. I think, you know. My friend Alicia um, uh, has been, like, ex- like instrumental, like, really, in, like, getting me to, like, write to that point, I think. Okay. Um, Alicia, Alicia was the singer of the band called 13 okay. um, from back in New York, New York City, um, back in the, in the, in the 90s. Yeah. Um, slug, uh, sludge, doom kind of band. Um, Liz Buckingham. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, Liz. Liz yeah, Liz played with them too. Yeah. Um, Alicia's a f- like fantastic writer and like really still is 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 writing long form stuff now. Is like really phenomenal. But she, you know, she we we talked a lot about this stuff. But one thing I always remembered was her saying like she was she had this phrase like turning the dirt over in your hands. Yeah. You know, like get into the dirt. That's good. Get yeah. get into the dirt and. And like and and like sift it through your hands and, and turn it over and like you know do that and see and and like you know that's that's what your writing should do you know um, first of all reach into the dirt secondly like pick it up with your hands and like 
really feel it, you know, and like feel the grains of the dirt and like, you know, what it does when it's there, you know, yeah. and it's, yeah. Um, she, but yeah, she was super, super instrumental in like, in, in like helping me get to that point of, okay. of, of like expressing things. And I mean, the, the, I think our experiences are innate, but, um, expressing them, I think like in a way that's like, you know, that, that, that you're happy with or that you're, that, that you feel reflects them. It, it's, it takes some work, you know, it's yeah. like, it takes like, I, I think I've worked on it a lot. It's like, you know, similar with music. It's like, there's a amount there's amount of stuff that's innate, but most of the stuff you hear is like, it's work, you know, mm-hmm. it's practice and it's training and it's, you know, things like that. Um, and it's like, I think that's, once I was able to reach the point where I was able to do that work with the, with the, with the writing, you know, um, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky I had people around me that were, you know, able to take me there, you know, it was cool. You guys kind of, um, you're in sort of a sweet spot. I mean, you hit all my sweet spots. No, oh, thank you. There's, I mean, there's, there's the lyrics themselves. There's your unique and sort of emotive way of expressing them, of singing. The riffs, which are, um, the riffs are super heavy and doomy, but there's something kind of progressive about the arrangements also. And I think that that, um, on Castaway Souls is even more pronounced. Mm-hmm. That almost feels like a little bit less of a metal record. It still it still feels like a metal record, mm-hmm. but um, there's definitely that's funny. A, I said the same thing. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I don't even know if this is a metal record, but yeah. Well, it's harder. To, it's harder to kind of um, categorize, which is which is great. Yeah, um, I think it's great too. Yeah. Do you have any death rock background? Were you into those kinds of bands, or am I just uh, am I just reading into that? I do. I mean, I love Christian Death and yeah, Sisters okay. of Mercy, Friends right. of Nephilim, and stuff like that. Right. I was never necessarily wanting to bring that into this band but okay. um i guess like especially in the last record there, there there's moments where the it's 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 definitely it just seemed to work that way you know um i get that sense yeah i can hear that in there. yeah i can hear it too it's yeah. it's definitely there like um and it was like something that i was like it's funny this last record was a little more like me and Nate basically like wrote and recorded the the the, the whole thing ourselves like mm-hmm. layla 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 contributed to the album, but, um, and is now like, you know, she wasn't a fully fledged member of the band at that point. Like, you know, we, um, we were still kind of in between. She was playing live shows with us, but not really writing with us. So, um, I was always kind of reluctant to make stuff. There was stuff on Black Hole Gods where it was like, you know, bordering on like that death rock kind of style of, of vocals. I was little reluctant to go there like you know just because of like you know um genre whatever like you know genre concerns or whatever i think on this record we just like said fuck it to like any genre concerns (laughs) like like, let's just like let's just fucking play this record and see see what happens and like to me like just those like um that style of vocals worked like you know uh, when 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 they were needed yeah and you did a joy division cover also Uh Exercise one. Yep. Yeah, which came out really well. I I, I was happy with it too. Yeah. yeah. And speaking, you know, speaking of Joy and and going back to kind of what I was saying, I mean, he's another. I think Ian Curtis was another guy who could turn that dirt over. In yeah. Advance. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. His. I mean, it's it's really in in Curtis is such a tragic story. I think yeah, like right. in such a in such a in so many ways, but like. 
the when you think about like how little time he spent with Joy Division and playing music, you know, and but the amount of like himself he was able to bring to that, yeah. it was it's it's incredible. Like you know, you think back to it, it's incredible, and like you know. Again, you go back to that that myth of the tortured artist, and he you know hung himself, and it's all part of the mythology and stuff like that. But you know, you wonder if like if he if he had if he had if he had lived, like you know what he, what else he could have brought. He was I mean he was a extremely like he was a towering like you know writer, yeah, and uh, and an incredible voice, um, and just you know you, you it's just it's really tragic to me. It's like what what he could have what he what he what he could have done, you know. Yeah. Um, I know it's like, you know, sometimes it's just time for people to go, like, you know, and they, they, they make that decision. That's, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we chose Joy Division because, like, we Nate and I are both, like, super, and Layla, too, actually, like, super in, influenced by um, by their music and by their, I think they're, that, that, that unique mix of, like, it's, like, that jarring yet extremely personal. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like it, it, on the one sense it's like pushing you away, and the other sense it's like pulling you in. You know, um, there was always that weird dichotomy about Joy Division to me. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but the, it it it's just it reaches so deep, like inside. You know, some of those things. Uh, it's uh, um, and Exercise One was like um, there's just just lines that you know, sound ominous that really, you don't know what they mean, really. It's like, you know, the, um, uh, looking at life in a strange new room, uh-huh. you know, it's like, it's like, it's, it's, uh, or like the, just the, like, um, the time for one last ride before the end of right. it all, right. you know, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's just so evocative and so like, it, it, it's painful, you know, um, I was I was really worried and nervous about doing that cover because like you know it's just like when you're taking on covering Joy Division that's a it's a big that's a big that's a big ask you know well, I'm glad you took it seriously because I think a lot of people don't yeah we we I mean, we, we were like oh, I think first of all we were like it doesn't have to be like the style of the albums you know it doesn't right. have to be like traditional like Doom style like it can we can interpret this our way like you know and our way is a little more. I guess for us at least more experimental. <coughs> we had Ryan playing um our friend Ryan uh doing the violin on that. Mm. Um which worked out like awesome, I think. Uh and we recorded we recorded all of it in our in our practice space. I think like I, I contributed less to that to that track. Um I did the vocals and I did did the drums, but then like I think the real um that's kind of the foundation of the track, but the uh there's a lot of intricate shit going on with the, you know, the ebos and the, and the, you know, violin and like, it's just, yeah, it's, I have to say it was a very heavy experience. <laughs> like, you know, okay. cause I had to do like a couple of, we did like three, maybe two or three takes like, you know, of the, and like, and then just like kind of repeatedly listening to it and stuff. It's like, it was like pretty, pretty intense experience, like recording that. Yeah. Really glad you did it. I'm that too. I mean, I'm I'm really stoked on it. I thought the mansion track turned out great too. I did too. Um, yeah. yeah, it was funny that mansion turned out more like. Uh, mansion sound more like Cardinal Worm does on the albums uh-huh. than Mansion does on their albums. Okay, like, right. So yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, it was. I was. I was real stoked. We we both had just. Um, we coincidentally we had recorded Joy Division covers, 
uh, at the same time. Okay. We, we had no idea that we had done so this. That wasn't a premeditated thing. It was a premeditated okay. thing. We just kind of wanted to do it, okay. and so we did it. And then these guys had also done it, and we were like, oh, shit, no way. Like, let's do a seven-inch. <laughs> like, you know, nice. Yeah. So. Did you guys just do that all on your own? I mean... That was um, the mansion guys. They like pressed that. They pressed it. Yeah, they pressed it over in over in Europe. Okay. Uh, okay. In Europe. Well, it turned out really well. Yeah, I was stoked on it. It was like yeah. you know super minimal, and I'm really glad that it's like you know pretty. Like the the seven inch is getting around, but it's under the radar as far as like internet stuff goes. Okay. I'm pretty stoked that it's like you can't find it on YouTube or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and you don't make it available on Bandcamp. Yeah. So we're not. We're, we we want like. As much as possible, at least, like, no online presence for that thing, so... Um, and there's no markings on either side, so you don't know what you're going you to... You literally don't know what you're... <laughs> you don't know until it starts playing what speed it needs to be at. Yeah, no, 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 it's a complete... It's, it's like, you know, it's, it's an interactive you experience. You don't even know who the other... Like, I didn't even know who the other band was. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I know that you've um, actually talked about this before, but I'm super interested mm-hmm. in, in hearing it from you, like, in person. Um, there's a song, I Am The Doorway which is off of Black Hole Gods. Mm-hmm. And you are quoting and using excerpts from a guy named Goodwinson Asquith Stanley. Mm-hmm. Right? So I want to know who that is and <laughs> what the Chronicles of the Worm mythos are. Oh, this is, yeah, this is a... Fun story. So, well, interesting stuff. Like so, Hong Kong. Like at the time I lived there, was like is this very interesting, uh, interesting segue in history. I guess of like um, it was a Hong Kong was a British colony until nineteen ninety seven, mm-hmm. and um, I lived there like through that time. After that time, and I guess like the time. I was living there in the early 2000s. It had, like, you know, recently gone back to China, but, but you know, it remained its own thing. It's, like, it was kind of its own, like, weird political, like... Uh, and there was a lot of... There were a lot of people there that were just kind of, um, you know, as re- remnants of that, you know, result of... A uh, result of like, a lot of different people from different parts of the world, like, kind of, like, a lot of Indians in Hong Kong. Um, like, uh, there were a lot of... Um, it's more, it's more like, it's more monocultural than, than you think, but like, you know, it's mostly a Chinese city, but it's like, um, there is still like a lot of that colonial, like, uh, I don't want to say refuse, it's a, shit, it's a shitty word, but yeah, well, like essentially we are like colonial refuse there, you know, it's like, you know, um, so Stan, uh, Godwinson and Asquith Stanley, we call him uh, Stan, like uh, Stanley, like um, he was a he was a guy. Um, that was his real name. What was his real name? Okay. His real name. Right. Yeah, we called him. He just went by Stan usually, okay. but like yeah, he was. Um, he was uh, a functionary in the British British administration of Hong Kong, like you know, kind of, you know, paper pusher essentially in in the, in the colonial administration, right. um, which you know. I say colonial administration, but we're talking, like, he had been there since the 60s, but through the 90s. So, like, you're talking about, like, he had worked there through the 90s. Like, you know, he was... It, it's not, like, as stuffy as, like, you know... He was he was a little bit old school, like, you know, because he, he, he had retired in the... He had retired in the 80s, I think. 
and now he was a guy that was just that was still living there, um, and 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 was just kind of like doing his thing, living live, living in Hong Kong still. He just he had no interest in going back to England. He was like you know living there. I encountered him when I was uh, I so when I moved back to Hong Kong and I was you know working this bookstore and you know playing music and stuff. I lived off the the, the cheapest place to live was um, an an island that was. Uh, about a half hour or so by boat, like by ferry, um, away from the, the main city. Uh, and on this island, there was like, you know, there's no cars, there's no, there's no skyscrapers, there's no like, you know, everything's very low built, it's, it's quiet, and it's very, it's very green, it's very like, you know, it, it, not, not like jungle-ish, but like, you know, there's like, there's, there, there are areas of the island that were like pretty, um, there were still paved paths, but you would go deep into like, you know, there would be a house and like surrounding it would just be like jungle, jungle. essentially, yeah. you know. And so I ended up, you know, I, I rented a, an apartment out there um, it, and it was like, you know, some, somewhere way the fuck in, 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 you'd get off the ferry like after coming from the city and you'd have to walk like 20 minutes like into the jungle. <laughs> like, to, like, And it was like, you know, a little apartment building like there, it was like about three stories tall. You know, there was uh, I was renting one of the apartments on the on the, on the second floor, and um, across from me was Stanley, this this uh, this 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 British guy, um, like across the hall from me, and like you know I would kind of go to work and come home and practice, and like I, I would rarely rarely be at the house, you know, but like sometimes you know on on, on uh, when I, when I had the day off or whatever, I would just notice that this guy was always there. He was like obviously retired or something like that. And he was very, he was a very quiet guy, never, like, kept to himself. You know, you'd see him in the hall, and he'd kind of, like, nod at you or whatever. And then there was one day on my day off, I was sitting there, I was reading reading a book. Um, uh, I think it was, I think it was some kind, it was either Crowley book or, like, um, maybe the Bhagavad Gita even or something yeah. like that, you know, yeah. like some, some, like, you know, philosophical text, you know, some kind of thing. And uh, he he came out. We we had uh, you know all the houses, all the apartments had balconies, you know. So his balcony was attached to mine, and like you know, he kind of like came out, was 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 smoking out there, and like just kind of looked over and like saw saw me somewhere reading this book, and we we had a little conversation about like you know, this stuff, and he and then the since after that we we kind of became like you know. He started talking to me, like, but he would always want to talk about like you know concepts and like you know, and like he was just just this this very private guy who like, you know, you never heard any music coming from his apartment or any like the TV. He, I don't even know if he had a TV or anything like that. You know, he was just this old guy that was spending his whole all all his time in there like doing something and like whenever I saw him, he would be like talking about this extremely like you know deep like you know intimate stuff and like very conceptual stuff about life and 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 uh life and death and 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 the beyond and like what what exists like around there and like you know um real fascinating dude um and uh but you know i didn't really think much of it he was just this kind of like slightly wacky neighbor that i had you know it's like uh Cool and then sit out there and have a smoke with and have a yeah no totally it's like you know and I would rarely see him it would be like you know like he would he he I didn't even, like he I never saw him like out like buying like groceries or anything like I like he just like somehow like just 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 existed yeah. there you know he was just like a fixture 
So, like, one day, anyway, like, I, I was, um, there was one weekend I was staying uh, with my parents who, you know, who still live in Hong Kong, who were living over there. Yeah. Um, and I was working le- the late shifts at the bookstore and getting off, like, later than the ferries were running. So I was, like, staying at their place. Uh, and then I went back to my place a couple of days of that, and I went back to my place, and um, there was, uh, like, his, his house was starting to get cleaned out. And, like, the, the door was open, like, you know, his apartment door. And there were people moving things out of his house. There were boxes and things like that. And I was like, oh, like, that's weird. And I kind of, like, was, you know, and, it, and I was like, what's, what's going on? And it was, I mean, these guys were just movers. They were, they were hired, like, you know, to, to, and they were like, I, I don't know, like, this, they were like, his family just hired us to, to move this stuff. Which was news to me because I had no idea, like, this guy had a family or was, like, you know, in any way in touch with them. Um, but then it turned out, like, you know, I learned later that he had died. He, he had, um, you know, that weekend that I was away, he had, he had died, uh, whatever, um, heart attack or something like that. Um, Presumably in the apartment. In the apartment, yeah. And so, like, you know, once the, once the you know, I had missed the whole thing of the, the um, medical, the, the ambulance yeah, and the police right. and the, that stuff... So anyway, he was gone, to, and then like they were going through the process of moving all his his stuff out of his of his apartment, um, and I was just like I was like oh man it sucks like you know this guy this guy was like he was you know he was my friend you know yeah. he's, he's a, yeah. and then um, there was a uh, uh, the next day like I woke up this was this would have been on a Sunday so it was a Monday and I had the, I, I was working the afternoon shift on a Monday so I woke up in the morning. And, uh, you know, kind of opened my door, and there was a box, like, sitting on my doorstep. And there was, like, you know, some, some people, and there were some British people, like, kind of, like, uh, looking through his stuff. And I was like, oh, uh, are you, did you, did you know, did you know Stan? They were like, uh, it turned out that was his, like, his daughter or something like that, you know, and, and her, her family. And they were, uh, and she was like, yeah, he left, he left that for, like, for, for you, I guess. And how's that for me? Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, it's like, it's like I barely knew the guy, really. You know, um, but then it was like he he had he had left this box of stuff, and it, the box was like addressed, like there was a thing on it. It's like to the fellow traveler in apartment, you know, one hundred three or whatever it was, and my apartment was back then, you know. And I was like, what? And it was like, so I opened this, and it was this like, uh, it was writings like um, in a. In, in, in his handwriting and audio tapes of stuff that he had been recording like uh, of himself like of, of this this I guess this journey that he had been going on himself you know and discovering stuff about like you know and he had this whole thing about like you know the worm mythos and like this like this um, his experiences with like going through you know crossing the threshold and going into the door through the doorway and like you know and like it was this like this guy who lived in his apartment by himself totally shut in like whatever but he it was like this um inside he was going he had this bright shining like you know gorgeous world of like you know extremely vivid imagery and like and and uh so he was like you know he was living in this beautiful world like you know in his own yeah. head inside you know uh, and he had recorded and like and these were these were his what he called his experiments 
with um, his experiments with what the real world was. Um, that's what he called it. My experience with what with what how the world really is, which is like you know, basically not what we see, but what but what is there beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was him. He had made attempts since I guess since retiring or since doing whatever like um, to connect with this stuff and to 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 to, to touch this and be and like. What he had brought forth were these audio tapes and this and this writing, um, which he called the the worm mythos, like which was like, um, I mean it was just like, it was I, I I couldn't believe that like you know that that like, I mean he just gave this stuff to me you know, it was and and like I I I I just spent, spent so much time like listening to these tapes and, reading these this this the stuff that he had put together and it was it was. F- fascinating it was just just like having the most intimate connection with this person like you know the most like you know you think like you know on a, on a, on a daily level of like you know our, our our daily lives we barely knew each other but obviously he had he had like you know made he had obviously made some kind of connection beyond that you know that was he thought that i was like worthy of receiving this stuff which was like it was like fascinating to me um, so yeah, I mean that was like, and we used like you know some of the recordings for for that 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 um, I am the doorway song. So that was him. Yeah, it was him. Yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. And like you know, it's it's weird. Like his daughter, his family, like, they wanted nothing to do with him. They were just kind of like this guy's just like a crazy old dude. He was he was he was definitely like, in in terms of like everyday life, everyday people, like he was like an an out there character. Like he was a yeah, and he was definitely still doing drugs of some kind. Like you know, he was like. Um, but like yeah, he it, but he had this extremely rich like mythology of his own that he had created like you know that was like or or like as he would say that he was in touch with like you know he had reached beyond and was like in touch with his stuff. Um, and di- I mean, did it make were there things in there that made sense that 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 tied together? It wasn't just the ramblings of like some old lunatic. I mean, no, they they were more coherent than that. Okay, they were more like. You know, it's like I've <laughs> I've read many ramblings of, of like <laughs> of all lunatics. Uh, this was like more like it was weird. It was like his notes, especially like the the writing. It was like experiment stuff. It was like you know dated. Everything was dated, and okay. it was like writing like you know, and it was like process. He still had this very like functionary way about him, like you know, like it was everything was very organized and like you know like like um, was it handwritten. Handwritten, yeah. handwritten, yeah, and he was um, legible. Was that? It was legible. It was legible. I was you know, impeccable handwriting, okay. like you know, um, um, and his uh, and and his record his tapes too. They were like very deliberately recorded. Okay. It was like they were like they weren't just rambling. He was like very deliberately, like you know, and it was it was kind of like you know, it's like yes, uh, like we do blah blah blah, and then we cross the threshold. And let us see what is over here. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, like, on my left, I perceive. <laughs> like, you know, and like, it's this like, I mean, I guess in, I mean, in a sense, yeah, they're, they're rambling because they're, they're like, you know, they're of this other world that he, that he, he was the only one that was in touch with, right. you know, but like, um, they were so like precise and so like, organized in the way that he conveyed all this stuff it was like 
He wasn't just going to... The, he wasn't just, like, in touch with this other world. He was going there, and he was like... It was like David Attenborough, like, you know, it was like, you know, explaining, like, his... Uh, like his 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 journey through this 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 right. thing and stuff, and his whole thing was like you know as far as I could tell his whole thing was that you know it was the world that we are, that is around us but that we're not in touch with, mm-hmm. and it's just it's always there and that like you know um, I mean in retrospect an extremely fascinating guy at the time he was just like my crazy neighbor right. like you know who who you know I had a smoke with every now and then mm-hmm. and like you know. And talked about he loved talking about the the Gita and like talking about okay. like you know other religious texts and things. Yeah. He talked a lot about Shruti, which is a, a another Indian concept, a Hindu concept of um, there's um, there's there's two ways of in Hinduism there's two ways of receiving the word of God. There's or like there's Smriti. Smriti is like the written word, which is which means like you know reading text and uh, you know and and getting that. And the Shruti is like is is like hearing the word of God and like you know and like, and and bringing that out through like you know hearing and, and uh, yeah it's like being in touch with it through like uh, the, um, mm-hmm. and he talked to me about those concepts a lot okay. um, yeah but he incorporated those into some larger uh, idea of uh, a larger philosophy of of everything. A, a philosophy of everything, and a, and and a philosophy that brought in a lot of elements that were his own, you know, um, that just just had nothing to do with anything that was established. That was, you know. Did you ever, uh, after he died, and you were able to kind of sift through this and you know listen and read? Did you ever try and find out more about him? Not really. I mean, I had my own shit to deal with. You know, yeah, I was right. like, I had, I, I was like, you know. In fact, like the stuff, like really sat in boxes for a long time. Um, until I was really, you know, I was in a headspace that I could, that I could, you know, cause I was dealing with sure. my own issues with, of, 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 of addiction and, and, uh, and, and, you know, mental, mental issues, I said, essentially, you know, and I was like, I really never paid that much attention to them until like I was able to do that, you know? Yeah. But once I did, I was like, holy shit, like, you know, this is like, uh, this is, this is, it was powerful shit, you know, it was like, um, I mean, there was the thing though where it's like you know he you know the 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 power of lovecraft stuff i think especially is like um it's creating it it's it, it's not what he describes it's it's what's between what he describes right. you know it's the it's the the world the the myth that that's there you know i think like what he had, what what stanley had created was a myth like you know was was this extremely powerful myth that i that i would love to like you know see I I would love to bring it to the light of day a little more, you know. Do you like, uh, do you still have? Um, half of them burned in the fire. They did. Half of them burned in the fire. Uh, I still have some. I believe a couple of audio tapes are still that that I was working on are still at my parents' place. Okay. Um, and s- I didn't leave it. No, none of the journals are still like the journals all fucking burned. They dude. burned. They all fucking burned. Yeah. So tragic. it's totally tragic. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. If you ever, if you ever receive a box full of uh, you know, of notes and tapes from a from a man who has been on drugs and uh, you know receiving messages from the other world, make sure you uh, make copies of those. Put them in a safe deposit box. Put a safe deposit box. Yeah, at your like, parents' house. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Well, it's amazing to me. Thank you for sharing that story. It's, I'll tell you. It's, it's, yeah. it's absolutely fascinating, and it's amazing to me that he, for this short time that he was 
living next to you and, and for the short time that you were connected to him, um, he was able to see that, you know, he was able to think of you as a fellow traveler. And I think that that theme ties into almost everything we've been talking about this afternoon. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, it, 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 it's, it's in the lyrics that you write, it's in the music that you make, it's in um, the life that you've lived, and it's, um, it's in the things that connected you back when you were a kid to heavy music and, and all of the things that come with it, which I think you and I both resonate with tremendously. So mm-hmm. um, thank you for, uh, for sitting down with me and doing this today. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely fascinating.